with a close look at the coming strong delusion is two word phrase you should become familiar with after Antichrist is revealed. And that's why we're beginning verse 8 for context. I ask you to read the even numbers with me, so begin in verse 8 with me. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God will, uh, shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Amen? So verses 8 through 10 that we just read, that gives us our context. Uh, that wicked shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. That wicked refers to Antichrist. He's going to have his heyday for a few years, but at the end of the seven years of great tribulation, which begins with the confirmation of the covenant in Daniel 9, 27, for seven years, and at the end of that seven years, Jesus returns, and with the word of his mouth, he destroys the Antichrist and his whole, all of his armies, his whole system, and all those who have taken the mark of the beast are cast into the lake of fire. Now, verse 10 then says about this uh, Antichrist, says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. We looked at the previous verse, the signs and the lying wonders and all the fake uh, healers and fake prophets and false prophets and all those people out there Satan is using to try to deceive people. And folks, that seems, some people get real discouraged about that because there's so many fake preachers out there. And they get real discouraged about it. But let me tell you something. All anybody has to do is turn them off and open the book and they're set free. Amen. And you can guarantee that the Bible, we're going to see, the Bible's going to explain why people buy into that stuff. Uh, we'll come back to that. But look what it says. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness, what? In them that perish. That's key. In them that perish. Make a note of that. If you want to understand what you're reading. Why do they perish? Why do they perish? You say because they reject Jesus. Yes, but there's a little more background to it. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And Jenny and I were talking about this in the car on the way in. Uh, most of you... You may want to know, I get some of my best ideas from my wife's sermons that uh, I get when we're talking in the car at home. <laughs> it's seriously, uh, uh, I, she does help me think through things and, and all that. And, but uh, as we were talking, uh, we were discussing that uh, they, there's a reason why these perish. There's a reason why people perish now and in the future during this time. They love not the truth. Or it says they received not the love of the truth. That begins by receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people that will claim to say, I love the truth. Not if they reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, they don't. Amen. They're demonstrating that they don't really love the truth. If they love the truth, it would start with receiving Jesus Christ. 
And if they reject Jesus Christ, what they're telling you is they love lies. They love falsehood. And so uh, these people that we're talking about in this text, uh, it says, in them that perish, it says, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. In the context of the Antichrist showing up, these are people who are not saved, of course. Everybody left behind is not saved. But there are two categories of people after the rapture. Everybody, after, the moment after the rapture, there's not a saved person on the earth. We've talked about that. It's the only time in human history where there's not a single believer on the planet after the rapture. But then those people are in two categories. They are those who are given over and those who can be saved. Not everybody will be able to be saved during the tribulation period. And by the way, this you'll hear a lot of things here that the prophecy teachers won't teach or they, they contradict, but I, I just challenge you to go by the book and find what the book says. Unsaved, left behind, are them that perish. Unsaved because they love not the truth. That's the basis for our teaching for years, that those who hear and understand and reject the gospel will not be saved during the tribulation. I've heard Christians giving people what I believe is simply false hope. They've told people, they've explained the gospel, that person rejects the gospel, it's clear why they reject the gospel, we'll come back to it, but they love their sin. Well, if you're left behind, just remember what I've told you. I'm sorry, but I believe that if they're left behind, they have heard the gospel, they've rejected the gospel, they are done. They will perish. Those who reject the gospel and are left behind are those who are referred to here as them that perish. And there's more. As we begin with the first four words in verse 11. Look at those words. And for this cause. So we see these people are left behind. They not because they don't love the truth, they didn't receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, I hope you understand the connection that that's making for you there. Having rejected Christ and been left behind, for that cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Do you get that? For that cause. God sends them strong delusion. What cause? They loved not. They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I have people. I've had people try to argue with me about it. I'm like, hey, power to you. I'm not going to argue about it. It's what it says. That uh, the deceived will be deceived. Those who reject Christ right now are self-deceived. And if they have heard and understood the gospel and they reject Christ a moment after the rapture, they're done. They will be themselves then deceived. It's just like with Pharaoh. Think about that. The Pharaoh had how many plagues? 
showing him who's, who God is and who is God. And he kept saying, he'd even lie. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I've sinned. Moses, go pray for me and ask the Lord to take this away. And as soon as the Lord did, what happened? He turned right back around in rebellion. Right up to the point of the last plague when what happened? God killed every firstborn in Egypt. And he's weeping and he lets the Hebrews go, but only for a short time. And then suddenly it comes back on him. And he says, let's go kill him. That same spirit of Pharaoh that said, I'm going to kill those Jews. Same spirit of those right now going after the Jews. Same spirit. Jessica? That's exactly what you're talking about. That's exactly like my dad. He says, unless Jesus comes down and tells me himself or whatever, I can't believe it, but well, I've tried. Well, let me, let me, let me, I, I want to say this. I've said this over and over, and, you know, when I'm up here teaching, you have to take it and apply it. And I've said this, people who reject the gospel love their sin. Yeah. I've tried. No, 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 you haven't. People who hate the gospel or reject the gospel love their sin. When did you tell your dad that? What? People who reject the gospel love their sin. He and every person who rejects the gospel isn't... He, all this stuff they say, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Your old man loves his sin. Tell him that. And tell him Jesus says so. And if he argues, say, oh, well, you think you're smarter than Jesus because Jesus... Well, you know, and, and we'll talk more about that. But I mean, that's what, you know, and then, I, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but we all have, you know, those kind of relatives and friends. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm talking about my own relatives and friends like that when I say this. They're swine. Yep. Yep. It has to come a point where you just stop casting your pearls and move on. That's just the reality. Johnny? And this reminded of the Old Testament of the Jews. So the, the father there is saying that you would only believe if Jesus came down, not necessarily at all. That because we know in the Old Testament there are many people who saw miracle after miracle, and yet they still would not believe. Yeah. Well that's you know, the Pharaohs and his magicians and a lot of other Egyptians saw those miracles and Jesus himself said that in Luke 16 when he's talking about the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man says, oh, send somebody to tell my brothers. And he says, they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe even though someone rose from the dead. Yeah, he rose from the dead and people still rejected him. Scripture with Scripture. Look at Revelation 19.20. Revelation. It's easy to find. It's the last book. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. Listen as I read, but if you get there, you might want to make a note or underline this. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, 
with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. See, there's a connection there. I believe that when Paul talks about the strong delusion, it goes hand in hand with the mark of the beast. It says, And them that worshipped his image, uh, these both were cast live into a lake of fire burning with, with brimstone. But look up there again where it says, uh, With which he what? Deceived. Deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. So these people reject the gospel. They're self-deceived at that point. After the rapture, then they are then handed over, given a strong delusion, further deceived, taking the mark of the beast. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, the Calvinist version of election, you think about this, it makes a strong delusion that we're reading about redundant and unnecessary. There would be no reason for God to talk about a strong delusion being sent if Calvinism were true. Because Calvinists claim that only the elect can be saved, the rest are all given over. There's nothing you can do to be saved. Why would you add a strong delusion to a strong delusion? They're already lost. If they're lost and they're not elect, they're given over already. So the idea of a strong delusion, it's redundant and unnecessary. It's illogical and unreasonable. But uh, it's not true anyway, so let's move on. So verse 11, back in our text, says, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a what? A lie. A lie. And uh, people right now, it's really sometimes, I, I've heard people, and I, I might have even said it in the past, that some people seem to be given over to the strong delusion already. It does appear that way. I don't believe it actually happens until after the rapture, but man, there's just some people who just seem to love lies. They love being lied to. They don't want to hear the truth. Um... It can happen on a physical level where you go to the doctor and they say you have cancer and the doctor, you know, is going to tell you that by having this test run. How many of you know people who refuse to get the test because they don't want to be told they got cancer? You're like, and that's not going to help. It's not going to make the cancer go away, but the fact that you don't get the test and the doctor doesn't tell you you have cancer or whatever the health issue can be. It can be di diabetes. <laughs> People won't go get checked because they don't want to be told they have diabetes or whatever it is. Um, that's physical and if that kills you, you'll still go to heaven. <laughs> but on a spiritual level, there's something wrong with people who don't want to be told the diagnosis. And you can't, how many of you heard the old saying, you can't get a man saved if, he, if you can't get him lost. What that means is when you're talking to someone who's not saved, if they won't acknowledge their condition that they need to be saved, they're not going to be, get saved. Yeah, we've talked to people right here in Worthington. Are you a sinner? No. Seriously? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, even in my worst day, I'd admit, um, you know, you a sinner, Greg? Yeah, I'm a sinner. Yeah, but there was for a while, I didn't, wanna, I didn't want anything done about it. I enjoyed my sin. I talked about it Sunday and... Uh, you know, there's just a certain period of time most people don't really want to be saved from their sin. 
And then God works on your heart. And eventually, you've all been brought like me to the point where you want something done about your sin. That's when you can be saved. Same thing's true about Christians. Uh, they can be saved, but never grow spiritually. And there might be a few right here tonight. Brian and I were talking about it. I've pastored people, and I've just known that there are people who don't come to church to be taught anything from the Word. It's fundamentalist. They'll go to church, and what they want to hear is what they already believe, so they can say amen. And you can sit and show them right from the Bible, and they will not be, they're unteachable. They got a bad spirit. And that explains why people are the way they are, why they, you don't see any improvement in their lives, you don't see any change, you don't see, and that's why you see so many dead churches. And we've been told by several people about Charles Lawson down there in Knoxville, Temple Baptist Church, and... Uh, he has some people like that in his church, and so they decided they're going to get rid of him. And so there's a lot of trouble. You wonder why church things happen in churches like that? It's a it's a scar, it's a cancer among churches. Things like that happening. But until we go to heaven, churches are going to be filled with people. Some are really hoping that God will show them something in the Word, and they can change, and they can learn, and they can grow. Other people, they don't come to church for that. They, I mean, I give you a list of the other reasons why they might come, but they don't come with a heart saying, teach me something, Lord, show me something. I mean, uh, I heard, I've heard people say they didn't like the preacher, so that's why they didn't learn. Well, wait a minute. If you don't like the preacher, but what he's preaching is the Bible, it ain't about the preacher, it's about God's Word. I've been taught things about people I don't really like. It's not about that. It's not... That's the mentality that gives you a, a president that can't really uh, speak a full sentence because you don't like mean tweets. Yeah. Then so now everybody's spending. This is breaking us, man. This inflation's killing us. I mean, we've got family members moving into RVs. Amen. Why? So that they can make it. Uh, young people are doing it so they can save up a down payment for a house that used to cost 150000 Now it's 300000 You needed a $30,000 down payment. Now you need $60,000 down payment because a bunch of flakes didn't like a guy because he mean-tweeted. Yeah. And that's the, that's the mentality and the spirit right now that's just festering throughout our culture and in our churches. People won't sit here in this church and listen to me preach the way I do. It's not about whether or not what I'm saying is true. They don't like the way I say it because I don't say it like this. If I were just to do this and be nicer, and then we get a rock band, that helps too. They flock in. <laughs> Amen. So moving on real quick here, what lie? They should believe a lie. What lie? The idea that you can reject the gospel, miss the rapture, and still be saved is a false hope. It's a false hope. Look at Revelation chapter 13. 
Revelation 13 is one of those, if you want to know about the Antichrist and what's coming and everything, that's a main chapter in the book of Revelation. Verses 8 and 14, we'll start with verse 8, says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That's a big debate about this book of life, but here's my, I, I believe God is omniscient. I believe God already knows who's going to be saved. That does not change the fact that you have to believe and be saved, and that is of your own free will. But He knew you were going to do it, and He's got a book. And He says it throughout Isaiah, if you've been following our Sunday school, he's, what's He say all the time? I'm going to tell you beforehand, and you'll know that I am He. Amen. To the extent He's already got a book with every saved name in it. And then when He stands up there in heaven and reads off those names, it's just going to happen to be, it's going to be all the people that believed on Jesus. And he knew it from the beginning. And so, what's it saying to us there? In verse 8, it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, that's who's going to take the mark. Not based on what some people teach as election, but based on the reality of God's knowledge. Not even foreknowledge. You can call it foreknowledge if you want. It's just knowledge. God knows everything and He always has. <laughs> it's impossible for God to learn. If so, He's not God. You don't have a God. You have a computer. You have AI. God is all-knowing. Omniscience. Now, we've got this little sponge up here that don't even function right. It's only like... They don't they say like... 10 to 20 percent of your brain is actually working? I think that's gone down in the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're down to about 6 or 7%. Imagine how smart we'd be if 100 percent of that brain functioned. But we could combine all of our brains together in this room and it wouldn't be 0.000001% of the knowledge of God. See that? So, he, knew, he knows, he knows, he knows. Verse 14, look at that. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles. That's referring to the signs and lying wonders in 2 Thessalonians 2. Which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. What's the second word in verse 14? Deceiveth. Deceiveth. It's all a deception. Smoke and mirrors. Now think about this as we close up. Without the Holy Spirit, the left behind, gospel rejecting crowd is left without any spiritual discernment. If you have any spiritual discernment, you've got to be saved and have the Holy Spirit in you. The unsaved man can discern just a couple of basic things. That I'm unsaved, I'm lost, I'm damned. Jesus is God, died on the cross to save me from my sins, rose again from the dead, and I can be saved. That's about the extent of an unsaved man's ability to discern and understand. But once you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in, you've got His book, the same author of that book, His Spirit comes in, and now you begin to read and understand. That's what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. When you're talking to a relative, 
You're talking to a friend. You're trying to talk to him about spiritual things. Talk to him about God. Talk to him about Jesus. You want to talk about the rapture. You want to talk about any of these things. And they just... Mm. Why? The natural man. You're talking to a carnal man. You're talking to a man who's not saved. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. you got to have the Spirit of God to understand the Word of God. We're t we, again, my uh, spiritual counselor, Jenny, was telling me this morning you know, about some things. And I, I said, yeah, it's like what we talk about. Some of the most biblically knowledgeable people I've ever met are sodomites. But knowing the Bible and believing it is two different things. Why do they read that book the way they do? With a motive to learn it, to refute it. They know they're going to face the God of this book as judge, but they're driven to read it and try to find reasons not to believe it. And they give it more effort than most Christians I know. And why did they do it? Well, their motive is to discount God, but why don't they understand it? Right there. They're not reading it with the author's spirit in them. And so it's, it's spiritually discerned, so they can't understand it. Go ahead, real quick. I had actually had talked with a sodomite, this guy he work with, and he twists yeah. the things that yeah. say... Same spirit. spirit if they don't have the spirit of God, they're under the influence of the spirit of Satan. Yeah. What's Satan do with God's word? Twist God's Word. Genesis 3, Matthew 4, Luke 4. He twists the words. He moves a word. He adds a word. So forth. And it's actually stated again in verse 12 as we close up here in 2 Thessalonians 2. Look at verse 12. With verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. Now verse 12. Read that again with me. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Look at that. They all might be damned who believe not the truth. Those who reject the gospel and are left to mind are damned. And why did they reject the gospel resulting in their being left behind? Right there. Come full circle to what I mentioned when we first started. But had pleasure in unrighteousness. People who don't get saved love their sin. They can talk to you all you want about, oh, I don't believe in the existence of God. And I, I don't believe Jesus was a real person, which goes against all even unsaved uh, secular historians. Uh, oh, I believe that he probably died on the cross, but I don't believe in the resurrection. And yet they won't sit down and listen to some of these apologetics videos I have where it totally destroys any idea that there's no resurrection. I mean, the, the evidence is overwhelming. They're not, not interested because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. They loved their sin. Exactly as Jesus told us, and I put this down as a memory verse. I'm going to pretend you're all doing what you ought to do and memorizing Scripture. And John 3.19 should be on the top of your list. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. That's the words of Jesus Christ. It's not my opinion. 
Jesus says that people won't come to the light because they love their sin. Their deeds were evil. But remember this. Some of you might get discouraged, as Jessica was talking earlier. It's, it can be discouraging. But all we can do is warn them. Who's the Savior? Jesus. Not you. All you can do is warn them, preach the gospel, but they must repent. The onus is on the sinner. Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. And that's what it comes down to. There come a day where I humbled myself before God and confessed my sin. I knew I was a sinner. I, and I, I come to the realization how small I am and how great God is. And He's done everything that needs to be done to save me. We don't come to church, pray, give money, paint, sweep, preach the gospel, whatever we do. We don't do that to be saved. We do that because we are saved. Yeah. Having been saved, we want to show our love for the Lord. And that's why we work until Jesus comes. Amen? We don't want to see anyone left behind or dying in their sin. That's why we put forth the effort to get the gospel out to as many as we can. And we do that knowing that it's our calling, our privilege to share that gospel, but then it's all up to that person. It's between them and God. So I want to close with one last reading. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to close 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. Just a couple pages to the right in your book. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. I'll have you read the even with me, so I'll start with verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. Shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. If you comprehend what you just read, it's directly related to what we've been talking about tonight. When Jesus saves us, um, we should understand that it's not just about us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time in your word and a reminder of how close we are to these things coming to pass. You could rapture us uh, out of here before I say amen. And we just look forward to it. But in the meantime, we want to be busy serving you. And we want to urge the lost to be saved before it's too late. We ask for your Holy Spirit to give us that motivation, the drive, the desire, and work on hearts. We'd love to see more people saved. We know you'd love to see them just as much. You're not willing that any should perish that all should come to repentance. And what we do, we do for your glory in obedience to your word because we love you who first loved us and gave yourself for us. In Jesus' name, amen.